Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, welcome to a new episode of the Burning Question series powered by Fantasy Football Scout. In this series, Harry and I, Sonaldo, talk about the key hot topics for the week. Game week one is nearly in the books. We are recording this live before the United game tonight. So United players still have to play, but lots to digest. It's been an exciting game week one to say the least. So much events, eventful events as well. Um, the whole Gabriel situation. Uh, it's been fun. Harry, how are you doing, my friend? Ah, uh, you're muted. Oh, unbelievable. Um, yeah, I'm good, thank you. It's it's nice to have the football back, isn't it? FPL as well, but it's always nice to to be sitting and spending your weekends watching football. So I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Good. Uh, you know, mixed mixed feelings about game week one. I, you know, it's a decent start, but compared to let's say the majority of engaged managers, I'm a little bit behind because I still have. A couple of points that were unfortunately uh, not in the last few minutes of the the deadline. So that's how I feel. But I'm very excited with the team setup moving forward. Yeah. 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 No, I agree. I've we got very similar teams, and we'll go through them. I'm I'm pretty pleased with a lot of the decisions that I made. Um, goalkeeper being one of them. Sadly, I went with Pickford in the end. But yeah, generally, I'm pretty pleased with how things are looking. Yeah. I feel like game week one or the post game week one is really difficult to discuss much on because our teams are already so well set up for the you know first few game weeks. And most managers are probably going to roll into the next game week. We still have an open mind that, you know, you could still use a transfer for certain players, especially if you have money in the bank. So I'd be an interesting discussion today for today's agenda, guys. We'll do a game week review, you know, run through the fixture ticker from game weeks two to seven, I believe. So the next six game weeks. Then we'll be talking about, you know, pretty much each of the games. And while we talk about the games, maybe discuss the main questions that arises with each game. So feel free to, you know, put in your questions in the chat so we can discuss it while we talk about certain teams. At the end, we do want to do sort of a Newcastle and Spurs section because there are two teams that we have a lot of questions on. Uh, of course, we'll be talking about Chelsea as well, including Liverpool. Uh, and then... Basically, one bus team at the end, since our teams are so similar, uh, and then a Q&A if we have time. So that's kind of the idea of today's agenda. But Ooh. before we move on, Harry, um, I do need to do a quick plug, guys. Um, so Scout is still doing a 30% extended sign up for, I believe, the next week or two. So really, really important for you guys to notice if you really want to join uh, ff scout there's so many good so much good content there so many good articles and again we are powered by them so without the help of scout we wouldn't have this platform to do this pod as well as the other pods and content on the youtube channel so please do support ff scout if you can so that was my quick plug and we move straight into the foreseeable fixtures from game weeks two to seven Harry, why don't you take it away and tell us what we have here? Yeah, so I, I think it's just always useful when we start talking about teams and who to transfer in. I'm a big fixtures person. I know some people think, you know, form over fixtures, but 
I think it's always useful to have a quick review before we dive into each team of of who has the nice fixtures that you'd potentially want to be targeting and, and potentially those lower down that you maybe want to be avoiding. Now, there isn't that much change because we spent you know months looking at this going into game week one. So I feel like most of us know this quite religiously now to this point, but there are a couple of changes when compared to, to game week one. So a couple of teams who do shoot up the rankings, you start to see... Um, both Brentford, Liverpool and Chelsea all being higher up the rankings than they were when you looked at this going into game week one. So Chelsea, of course, had that Liverpool fixture in game week one, which did knock down their fixtures. Whereas if you look at them now, West Ham away, Luton at home, Nottingham Forest, Bournemouth, Aston Villa, Fulham as their next six game weeks is very nice for them. Sitting number one. Brentford as well had Spurs in their first one, but they now have Fulham, Crystal Palace, Bournemouth. Then they go away to Newcastle before Everton at home and Forest away. Really nice there. And then and then Liverpool as well. That Bournemouth at home fixture in game week two. One that I feel like we've all been sort of having an eye on a little bit. But mm-hmm. yeah, definitely a, a one to target. The team that drops down a little bit. So Manchester United and Brighton both drop a little bit further down. So they're in the mid of this sort of graphic. Um, Brighton, of course, had Luton at home in game week one, which helped boost their difficulty rating and Manchester United had Wolves at home which again boosts their difficulty rating those two teams do fall a little bit lower down but their fixtures in the sort of next two are are still nice yeah I agree with you here I think it's always good to take a look at the fixture ticker every every game week even though we know what's you know ahead of us I think the ones that really stand out to me Harry is in Chelsea is Chelsea in game week three game week one was proof that Pochettino came out swinging he's got plans in his back of his mind Casado coming in, it's going to be a totally different yeah. team. Enzo was absolutely fantastic. Uh, I'm looking at Jackson as a potential game week three person that or striker that can come into my team. I know you had worries about whether Chelsea might sign a different striker, so we'll get there too. Spurs, very yeah. interesting game week three to five. There's an opportunity here for us to somehow fit Madison into our teams. I think the Brighton fixtures start to get dodgy from game week three as well. So maybe those are the assets that we can lean off of or, or leave or lose. But, you know, if we don't have or have fewer Brighton assets, it's an advantage for us moving forward potentially. Uh, and then the Villa one's very tricky and Newcastle as well, because both teams, even though Villa got, you know, absolutely hammered, I still thought, you know, they're a really good team. And Villa Newcastle with the difficult fixtures, whether they are valuable assets or viable assets is also a question we should be asking ourselves. So, very interesting uh, couple of game weeks coming up before the eventual wild card. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. It's interesting. One You mentioned on Brighton and just to go, you know, on that game week review, we didn't pick very many Brighton assets on it. And one of the decisions I look at that I think I've got right looking at the points, not necessarily in hindsight, because Brighton could have scored several goals is like Embuemo and Watkins, who we went with, actually matched Mitoma and Jao Pedro combined, which was sort of the alternatives. And they had their Luton at home fixture, whereas Embuemo had his Spurs fixture and then Watkins had his Newcastle away fixture, had their most difficult fixtures, whereas those Brighton assets have used up their most their best fixture on paper at home to Luton. Still think they'll do damage against Wolves and West Ham, but yeah, pretty pleased with um with with how that swing has gone given the fixtures in game week one. It's very interesting you say that because I was thinking the same thing when Watkins got his assist because obviously you want more than an assist from your forward, but yeah. I thought it was very good coverage for what Pedro yeah. produced because Pedro could have really done much. I, I think he could have gotten another goal, looked really, really good, focal point of the attack, and Newcastle obviously really great team, but I thought Watkins and Diaby both played excellent even even though they lost 4-1 or 5-1. Yeah, interesting. They, of course, are without... Buendia and likely to be without um, Mings as well, but we'll dive into Villa in a in a little bit. Sounds good. Okay, so I guess we go straight to game week review. Yeah, yeah. So game week one's a little bit different. There's less to talk about. There's a lot to talk about, but less reliable things to talk about. So we're going to spend just a little bit more time actually just reviewing the games and reviewing a few of the key teams that we are are wanting to target. We can start off at the top, the Friday night game, Manchester City 3, Burnley 0. It was, of course, the Erling Haaland show once again. He got his two goals. He got maximum bonus points as well. What a what a way for him to, to start the season and all those, you know, six games for Manchester City without a goal or whatever it was. Very quickly went quiet again when he when he came back with uh, with a brace there. Again, 
I don't think we need to talk about him very much. He was really impressive. He can score goals in any position. He can score goals, whoever he's he's up against as well. I think there's a couple of things to talk about on this one. I'd love to hear your thoughts. First of all are the defenders. Of course, John Stones missed out. He has a very slight um, thigh injury, I think. And then Ruben Diaz missed out through concussion. And there was a wholesale changes at the back. And then, of course, we've seen Kevin De Bruyne pick up an injury in that game. It sounds like he's going to be out for a minimum of several weeks. It looks like we won't see him featuring in September at, at the earliest. So he should be back October or later. Um, what does that do to the likes of Julian Alvarez and Phil Foden, two players who I now have my eye on as a result? So where do you want to start? Attack or defense? I think we start defense because I actually don't think much changes in defense, even though you just mentioned the Stones uh, situation. They do have a midweek game against Sevilla, I believe. So maybe we'll get a little bit more information on what's going on. Um, but we had the same conversation and questions last week, Harry, is our city defense reliable? And sort of the conclusion we came to is, yeah, if you're betting on them getting three out of five starts or four out of five starts, five being a, a sample size. Last year, there's this is a very good, interesting graphic I found last of last year, Harry, um, where... So this this basically shows all the Premier League teams from last season. Uh, you don't really have to deep dive into the the chart itself, but it's a percentage of how much rotation each team did. And you can see Arsenal at the very top. So Arsenal was the team with 86.8% stability, basically very, very little rotation within that team, which also we'll get to eventually, but we must sort of alter our thinking of Arsenal rotation. We've seen game one Gabriel coming off. We see Havertz coming to the team. Trossard is now a viable option at all times. So there, there's going to be more rotation there. Newcastle is second in terms of stability, but way, way at the bottom is Chelsea and Man City. And Chelsea, I think, is going to be a little bit different this year with the amount of signings they have, but Man City, or amount of changes they have. But Man City, we've always known this, is such a rotation risky team. And there's proof here in this model is, itself. So my idea of going to a Man City defender is is quite frightening. Um, I'm not very, you know, comfortable going to Stones uh, at this point in time. Gavardiol is interesting just because he's so cheap. Um, so he might present himself an option, but even then it's like very risky in terms of rotation. That's my thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Looking at this graphic is interesting because I would expect Chelsea and Newcastle to see a bit of a switch this year because, of course, Newcastle have Europe this season and Chelsea don't, whereas it was the opposite last season. So I am expecting a bit more from Newcastle and a bit less from Chelsea. Um, Manchester City, yeah, their defence is interesting. If I knew Ake, Akanji, both also 5 million, if I knew they were going to play every week, Carl Walker as well, it was great. But I think we've seen as well there are enough other good defenders in and around that prize who are going to start every week that if you have a John Stones, I would wait for an update later on in the week. And if he is going to play Newcastle and then the following fixtures as well, if he's going to be back, I would probably hold on to it. I don't think using a transfer on John Stones right away is, is needed. Wait for a little bit more. But I again, I just wouldn't be buying, I don't think. Agree with you there. This, by the way, is from 538.com. Um, so credit where credit is due. It's from 538.com. Cool. So the next one is the attack. And I mean, I said in the first podcast, I think we did, we, we, we want to spend less time saying, well, it depends on minutes. And, and maybe this is something that's going to mean we don't have to say that quite as much. So De Bruyne does look like he's out for a couple of weeks. So it is particularly... Julian Alvarez and Phil Foden are the two that maybe people are looking out for an increase in minutes off the back of it that might make them a good asset. Of course, Foden, a 7.5 million midfielder, but Alvarez, a 6.5 million forward, um, especially with us having space in our forward line, could be very interesting. Foden played on the left in this game, which was a surprise given we all expected Grealish to play as many games as he can. Haaland, of course, um, through the middle. I think Bernardo Silva out on the right. Foden um, in the in the eight as well. So I do think it definitely boosts both of their appeals. I like Alvarez off the back of it much more than I like Foden. Um, because if he does want to play Foden, if he wants to play Foden out on the left, he's still competing with Grealish. But I just, I think Alvarez's position in that sort of role in midfield where De Bruyne plays 
I don't think anyone does it as well as as closely to De Bruyne does as Alvarez does. Yeah, I think uh, to echo some of your thoughts, I would still wait on this till at least next game week. Um, get a little bit more information. Watch the Sevilla game. Watch the weekend Premier League game. Uh, we've seen that Alvarez is really, really into Pep's initial plans. Things might change throughout the course of the season. But in mm -hmm. preseason, he's been starting alongside Holland nonstop. He started this game, the first game of the Premier League. He started in the Community Shield. I mean, there is something going on where Pep, Pep is really considering Alvarez into his plan. So genuine potential, very high, yeah. you know, risk. There is risk, but the reward is very high if you do go for a, you know, seven, what's his name? 7.0 starting striker for City. They're yeah, always 6.5. 6.5. There you go. There's always yeah. the caveat that he is that price for a reason. Um, you know, if you have five games, how many starts you're going to get. That's sort of the game we play with Foden and and Alvarez. So my thoughts echo with what you're thinking. Foden, I still think I would like to watch a little bit more because, you know, as explosive as he is, it's not like, you know, I'm starting to come to the point where do I really feel like he's going to be worth the risk and get me returns? I mean, this game sort of showed Foden had glimpses of, you know, his potential, but also not not that much, if you know what I mean. So, yeah. Yeah. Get cooling on yeah. Foden a bit without being too yeah. Yeah, Alvarez is an interesting one. I I do think he's much less impactful when he plays in that De Bruyne role compared to when he plays instead of Haaland. Now, of course, that should be the case because he's not playing up front, but the returns are much less consistent when he plays in the sort of 8-10 role compared to when he plays, plays up front. So although I think his minutes will be really good, I the returns are not as consistent when he plays in that role. So I would definitely like buying a City player when they've got Newcastle at home, given how Newcastle just performed, feels like we don't need to do that. So I would wait for those two games and then target them game week three. Yeah. For the for the select few that might still have a City defender, most likely Stones in their team, or maybe mm -hmm. even Diaz, would you make the switch to Chilwell? I mean, we'll get to the Chilwell talk eventually. Yeah, so I actually posted this on Twitter and I actually think this season rolling a transfer, so normally rolling in a transfer into game week two is much more, is really important and much more important than price changes and making an early transfer. But I actually think this season it is less important than we've had in previous years. And the reason for that is our teams are so well set up for game week three and game week two, but the amount of people needing a transfer to actually go into game week three is really small. Like I look at my team in game weeks two and game weeks three, and I don't know where I'm going to use my transfer. So actually, if you have a transfer you need to make this week, like stones and you want to go to Chilwell, I would be absolutely fine with that because actually going into game week three, there aren't transfers we need to make then because a lot of the fixture groups that we had was one, two, three. So loads of teams are just still set up absolutely fine. So if you need, if you have a stones and you want to sell him, I wouldn't worry too much about rolling a transfer. If you know you, because stones is likely to drop, Chilwell is likely to rise. You do need to consider that sort of stuff early on in the season as well. Mm, good point. Uh, it sounds like I'm pretty low, so maybe I need to give me one second, guys. Does this does this sound better? It sounds loud. Oh, it's like echoing. Okay, I'll just be closer to the mic. Hopefully, hopefully it balances cool. it out. All right. Next game. Mm -hmm. Cool. Arsenal Forest went oh. as sort of as we expected as a result until about 80 minutes. And then Forest did look really good to, to finish the game. Um, was definitely impressed by Awanyi and um, Elanga, both coming off the bench for them. But focus really on Arsenal on this one. The front... Four changed a little bit. So we saw, or front five actually, because we saw Nketiah start, which was a bit of a surprise, but I think they looked better for it. Havertz looked better for it, playing in that sort of midfield role. It was harder for the defenders to track him. He had a little bit more space, a little bit more time. Martinelli with a great assist. I don't still don't know whether actually he meant it or not. Bakaya Saka with a great goal. So I think Saka and Martinelli look like really nice assets. Um, Havertz and Odegaard, I, st I still personally wouldn't be going there. I don't think Odegaard is as good when he plays in a midfield two with Havertz. I don't think he gets into the same positions as he did last season. So if I was an Odegaard owner, I wouldn't be selling, but I'd be a little bit more concerned than maybe if I had Martinelli. 
Yeah, I, I I mean, just on terms of Odegaard, it's like a twofold because, you know, you want to sell, you, you wouldn't be as confident in, in the, uh, compared to Martinelli, for example. But again, very small sample size, just one game week. The good thing about having Odegaard is potentially you have the player you want to sell in order to fund a different midfielder by the time game week three comes. Whereas for you and I, Harry, like, Next game week, who are we going to sell? I want to keep Mbuemo, for example. Who are we going to sell to get to, uh, let's call it Madison? Um, and Odegaard yeah. to Madison becomes an easy move if you don't feel uh, Odegaard is performing to the standard that you want him to. So, yeah, that's my that was my thinking. Yeah, there. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know, some it's you don't want assets that are not performing, but it makes it easier to know who to sell when we have a midfield of Fernandez, Martinelli, Rashford, Saka. And Buemo, it's very difficult to highlight who we're going to have to sell if we do want a James Madison in our teams. I think attack, there's really not much to talk about. Um, if you have Martinelli, Saka, you keep. Hmm. And Ketia, still still not convinced yet. Um, no. Trossard, no. Havertz, no, as you mentioned. If you have them, mm-hmm. keep them for sure. Um, wait one more week. Yeah. The key question, I guess, is defense. Gabriel, right? Yeah, so of course missed out on Saturday on Saturday morning. Arteta said it was well, he was on the bench, so it was tactical reasons. Um Timber got injured and Gabriel did not come on. It could have had a change in shape, but they brought on uh Tommy Asu instead. If the question arises is he's played 73 games in a row before today, before that game. Do we expect him to come back in and come back in consistently? Or is this going to be a theme that we see enough that it makes him a a risk of an asset? I, I mean, I would start by saying if I own Gabriel, I would 100% be keeping him because I think he'll come back in. Um, but I do think there's some systems where maybe they want to keep the ball and control games more that maybe he's less important to. Yeah, as a Gabriel owner, um, what happened happened, but... I, I do have to keep him. I, I think that's the right move. I mean, I already have Chilwell in place, so that, that move is not... Maybe the question is, like, if you don't have Chilwell, do you do Gabriel to, to Chilwell? But mm-hmm. I think we keep him for one more season. And I go back to this graphic, guys, where uh, it's a good example of Arsenal being the most stable in terms of rotation last year. This is the more specific view of what Arsenal's rotation looked like last year. Um, you know, there's some Gabriel Jesus in the middle. There's that empty space where he got injured. Uh, and it was sort of a like-for-like replacement um, last season. It, you can see that Gabriel Jesus in the middle got injured. And then Eddie and Ketia came in to fill in that, you know, gray area or the white area. But this year is a bit different, right? I think this year there's more players that can play multiple positions. And the same thing goes for defense. You know, Arteta is going to want to switch things around. They finished second with this sort of formula, so they need to do some some differences from what they've done last season, which I think rotation comes into the equation and you know different tactical setups, whatever it may be. So I just want to kind of seed that into you, you guys' minds that maybe Arsenal assets aren't as uh, locked in terms of stability as we we might once have thought last season. So. But for now, I think the simple FPL answer to game week two is let's keep Gabriel, see what happens this weekend. Would you agree? I would agree. I, my only question is, if you have Gabriel sat in your team now and you don't have Chilwell and you have only 0.5 billion in the bank, presumably this time next week or even this time on Thursday, yeah. you won't be able to make that transfer. Chilwell from game week three does look like a much better asset, if particularly his positioning, although we'll get on to Chelsea. We did play a back five. I don't expect that every week. Would would you in that situation where you know you're going to want to go to Chilwell and you're going to be priced out of it, would you consider the move then? Palace away in game week two? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I You know, these questions are tough, man. These questions are like we have the responsibility to give our honest opinion, but also like, you know, you don't want to just like blurt out random stuff. And I thought about this for, for a day at least. And if I was in that position, I would be afraid to lose an Arsenal third Arsenal spot as well as an Arsenal defensive coverage because Arsenal can get clean sheets. 
but it is Ben Chilwell, right? Like he he was he was probably one of top three, if not the most standout FPL picks from game week one. And as long as he stays fit, he he's an essential player, essentially. So the trade-off is this. If it was any other player besides an Arsenal defensive spot, I would think less about it. But because it is losing Arsenal defensive coverage, that's the only thing that holds me back from making that move, um, especially with 0.5 and a likely price increase very soon. What do you think? Yeah, I I think I'd probably do it. Um, and the reason for it is because you're, the, the fixtures for Chelsea are not just a couple of weeks. Three to eight, they play Luton, Forest, Bournemouth, Aston Villa at home, Fulham and Burnley. If you don't buy Chilwell, you will spend your time wishing you had him, not just for one or two weeks, but that is a six game week period, much more than I think Gabriel will be the same. When you look at their fixtures, Chelsea's are are better from from here on out. So as much as I hate it, I do have an I would have an eye on the value as well. Chu are likely to go up. Gabriel may go down as well. That's you know not just a point one swing, that's you know point two swing there. As much as I'd hate to be selling Gabriel in game week two, I just think if you don't have if you haven't started with Chilwell, it could be an easy you know excuse and route to go and get him. Okay, I have a different question. How about for us sad Gabriel owners? that we know yeah. he's going to drop in price. Harry, what would your advice or thinking be here? Yeah, I would only sell him if there's a defender you absolutely know you want. And I think that only really falls into Chilwell yeah. and maybe a Stupinan. Yeah. So if you started without one of those two, then maybe. But apart from that, I don't think I would. Yeah, because I was thinking like maybe you can get a- ahead of the two transfers in game week three, where again, the power of two transfers is is amazing, right? Maybe there's a move where you can fund Gabriel down and then have some more money and just make that one move up next week. But I think information is going to be more powerful than, you know, rushing this this transfer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Cool. Okay. Cool. Moving on? Moving on. Oh, by the way, uh, Forrest actually... It was a weird game because Forrest XGC was top three, I believe, this game week. So they did pretty yeah. well defending. It didn't feel like it, but um, you know they weren't they weren't too bad defending. So, which yeah. brings us to I guess starting Turner this game week. Are you yes. are you there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. And actually, there was talk um, from Ten Hag about he quite likes having Henderson as part of the squad. So we might get to the end of the transfer window and Turner remains as their number one. You know, does Turner really want to move from Arsenal being back up there to being back up at Forest? It doesn't necessarily make loads of sense. So maybe it will be that he's first choice. Nice. Okay, there's a lot Ooh. of questions and um, super chat. We'll we'll get to it at the end, guys. Perfect. Bournemouth, West Ham. Not loads to talk about it. Bowen was a game week one differential that not many people went with. He did get a goal, and I suppose the other thing to add here is there was a start in goal for four point zero, Ariola. It did come out of the blue. We thought it might happen in preseason, and then he played virtually none of preseason, and then game week one turns up and Ariola's in goal there's not that much to say I wouldn't be buying him yet because we don't know that's a long-term choice Mm -hmm. I'd wait and see if a couple of weeks especially because their fixtures are not good enough to be starting a West Ham goalkeeper in but if you have him you may well have lucked out in a great keeper for the season that's crazy that's crazy yeah 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 sometimes the less info the better almost sorry I was muted yeah, yeah. Sometimes, you know, this is how I feel it works. The less info, the better. Because mm. if you weren't aware of Turner, you probably kept Ariola, And uh, now you have a West Ham starting keeper potentially. So good on you guys. Yeah. Anything else to add on this game? I mean, Bowen. Bowen's likely to play striker, right? This season, it seems like. There was yeah. quotes about Moya saying Bowen played number nine at Hull City, I believe. So I don't know if that's where he came from, but his previous team so there's that yeah uh, experience he has as a number nine and we know that they're not making a lot of signings we know that um you know 
they're you know injury pro prone up top as well. So potentially when the fixtures turn, Bowen becomes a really suitable asset for us because we know how good he is. We think about yeah. two seasons ago, but right now it just doesn't make sense with the fixtures. Yeah, well, exactly. They are fourth bottom for fixtures. They play Chelsea, Brighton, Luton, Man City, Liverpool in their next five. Those Luton and Brighton games both being away from home as well. So I, I think he could be a great option, but not right now. Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, Ward-Prowse, Linus Case as Ward-Prowse yes. also is part of West Ham. I think the signing happened today, just in case you guys didn't know. Yes. Yes. Don't, I mean, I think it's, you know, good for if, if you, we ever get to the point of owning a defender um, because he loves a set piece and they are a good aerial side, West Ham, but it's not one for FPL yet, I don't think. Have you ever gone there, by the way? I think in like a in like a free hit scenario, not in my normal team. I don't think so. Yeah, because the way I I view quarter kicks and free kicks and bullet headers, let's call it, is it's so random, like it's yeah. really hard to predict in a short yeah. five game span. It's more like you have them for a certain ten plus game weeks, and then maybe you get yeah. one or two. You know. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Brighton next, maybe one. There's a little bit more to talk about. Well. They did what Brighton do. They create a lot of chances, missed some of them, scored some of them. And then, as we saw for quite a lot of time last season, they did leak a goal. There's no clean sheet there. Um, I feel like the player for me to call out, Purvis Stupinan, incredible <laughs> game. Um, five million for him this season is going to be... There's no way he finishes this season at five million. He'll be much more, I think. Um, yeah, an incredible game for him. Of course, got the assist very late on, could have had assists earlier on in the game as well. Definitely someone I would not want to go um, the start of the season without. The attack was interesting. It did what we expected it to in share points. So four different goal scorers for them. I think four different players picking up assists as well. So yeah, um, I'm quite happy I actually avoided it because I think there's so much going on there. They're a great team and will score goals, but it's hard to predict where those points are going to come from. Yeah, I think it's good we're trying to keep it concise. We don't need to over-talk about a team that we're not going to do anything about this game week. Next game week, Brighton becomes much more interesting as a team to talk about. Um, yeah. The one thing I do agree with you as Stupinand, you know, if you look at XGI for, for this first game week, up top is Joe Pedro and Buemo, and then you go down the list and you have a defender and a Stupinand being top 10 in terms of XGI, which is absolutely mental, right? Yeah. So maybe... Um, I, I guarantee everybody has him, but he's a he's a potential long-term hold, but he could also be an opportunity to, to jump off uh, maybe game week three or four um, where everyone will likely continue to have him because he's playing so well. So interesting there. I would like to say that, you know, good on you, Joe Pedro owners. I felt like I saw it in the preseason. I just didn't have the guts to, not guts, but I just ended up being on walk-ins. But it's good that you guys got off to a good start where you needed him to yeah. score. He could have gotten much more higher returns. But um, yeah, there's going to be an influx of forwards that arises. So what you do with him in the coming weeks will be a very interesting discussion to be had as well. He played a lot more minutes than we thought he would as well. Yeah, I think exactly. he went 80 plus. Um which was a surprise. Whether that will happen every week, we don't know. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a positive for him. Of course, he took the penalty. People saw uh, Milner on the pitch and wondered if he wouldn't, but he still took it. So I think that's fairly assured that he will be their penalty taker. I feel like I've spent the past six months of playing FPL being annoyed with Brighton gets, getting penalties because I didn't have McAllister last season. <laughs> and now I don't have Jao Pedro this season. The Brighton seemed to get so many penalties and I never have the person taking them. Um, but yeah, Jao, they're all a hold, I think. I, I wouldn't be buying you, I think, is is my position on Brighton. Unless it's a stupid man and you don't have him, then I would consider buying. Yeah, it's the classic case of knee-jerking versus committing to your pre-game yeah. week one plan. And if you don't have Jao Pedro, it is a good exercise to hold or hold on to not buying him because the fixtures are going to turn and there are emerging assets in Jackson as well that could potentially you know overtake him as a better pick in in the coming yeah. weeks. Mitomo actually we should talk about Mitomo oh. maybe. Yeah, he had a good game. He was quite wide at times, which I think is 
you know, expected with the way he plays. And March is more central compared to where Matoma plays. He did have a good game, though. He is a very, you know, talented footballer. He got the assist for the first goal, I think. Um, so again, like, I think he's a good option. I think I would definitely hold him. But what we said at the start of the season is... Um, and what we said at the start of the season is those other midfielders, the likes of Mbwema and Eze have so many more routes to points. So if you have Matoma, I would definitely keep him for the next couple of fixtures. Um, but I don't think I'd be buying new on him. Yeah, I think he's a, a similar situation to the Odegaard talk we had earlier, where um, who do they play next game, Brighton? Wolves. So you keep him for Wolves. Wolves. You potentially yeah. keep him for West Ham. Uh, and yeah. then he's your guy that you can move on. Um, but yeah. he's not too bad. He's not too bad. I, I I do agree with you in the sense that I'm happy I went Mbomo over him because they Mbomo just looked yeah. more threatening and more routes to points. Uh, and yeah. then maybe you have the potential to fund a James Madison move in game week three when the time comes. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Everton Fulham, there's not much to talk about. Pickford lost his clean sheet, but I would still hold your nerve mm -hmm. on him. Yeah. And then Sheffield United, Crystal Palace. Eze, yep. the talking yep. point here, mm -hmm. was any owners of Eze were incredibly unlucky not to get anything. There were penalty shouts, there was open play threat, there was set pieces. I think he had 0.99 expected goal involvements this week, which for him to come away with nothing just is very unfortunate if you went with him. I would... Again, like Mbwemo, like Matoma, sorry, he's a definite keep for me. I think the returns will be there. Everything seemed to flow through him in that game. Yeah. It's the brutal, harsh swings of uh, of FPL. And uh, because essentially it's not whether Eze got his points or not. It's whether Eze got his points compared to the other slots in Mbwemo, Matoma, Madison. Maybe I'm blanking out on one more, but... Yeah, all of them returned Derby, except yeah. Eze. So that's like that's the loss there. Um, you know, yeah. there is the structural talk as well, whether you had Salah or not. But if you if you do a direct one one v one comparison, that's the the pain that you probably had this weekend. But again, yeah. you have Eze in place for a certain amount of time. So we, we you just have to be patient and hope that uh, those returns even out, or Eze gets ahead of the the other other players that when we when we hold them for a long time, or when we do hold yeah. them. Yeah. Cool. We will jump past Newcastle Villa and Brentford Spurs. We'll come back to those at the end. Chelsea Liverpool. Chelsea lined up with a back three. I do not think that'll be the case once Caicedo and by the looks of it, Lavia both come in. I think there's too many midfielders there for us to not play with a back four, which I do think will impact the likes of Chiuel a little bit. So those seeing Chiuel playing up front, we might see it a little bit less, but I still think Chuel is a great option. Rhys James will also be a very good option as well. I'm a big fan of both of them. Nice. Um, Levi Colwell was so impressive. I cannot see us playing without him there. Um, very, very impressed at a 4.5 for him. Um, and then up front, I suppose, is, is the other place. Midfielder-wise, I still don't think there's any. Even the wingers, I don't want to touch at the moment. And then Jackson up front. Good option. His first touch was a little bit weak, let him down a little bit, but in a game, um, but like a game against Liverpool, he didn't wasn't always going to get that time. I would still be considering going Jackson for game week three, I think. Wow, very interesting. This whole Casado drama with Liverpool has been fun to watch, and it seems like you fight both teams. I think this game was proof that both teams need that DM. Uh, because as good as Enzo is, you Casado just helps Enzo even you know, enhance his abilities yeah. even more. Chelsea with 65% position, so um, they did really control the game. We never expected Poch to come out with a five at the back with with two of your, you know, potentially best players in Reese James and Chilwell being really involved. Yeah. I think Reese James was, he had a very high XA, actually, um, even mm -hmm. though he was playing deeper than where Chilwell was playing. So don't let your sort of eyes fool you. Reese James is also a fantastic option. I think his injury is is supposedly supposedly just tiresome. So yeah. um, I would be very hopeful that he's fine. Chelsea, super high line, a lot of pressure up front. Casado is going to help, you know, sort of block those counters when they come back. I thought Gallagher played well. 
Enzo, for me, man of the match uh, for Chelsea. I mean, what else? Like, it's a team that I'm very excited about. We don't want to get too excited with one game. And remember last last game week, we were talking about how we feel great about Chilwell as an option because there's going yeah. to be space for him against Liverpool. And that's exactly what we saw today. They play yeah. a super wide... I think you guys play super wide, Harry. Like, the width of the pitch is super wide. And a lot of times, Enzo or Reese James would switch it to Chilwell. Chilwell would find Enzo. Enzo would switch it to James. So you guys are just going back and forth, back and forth, creating space, creating half half space chances. It's very exciting football. And Poch just knows the Premier League really well. So my my hopes are high for Chelsea to have very good assets yeah. by the time next week game comes around. Yeah. So Chilwell, James, Jackson, I still think are watch list players wants to consider buying Colwell as well Sanchez in goal 4.5 it looks like um Kepa is off I would be a little bit cautious but while the transfer window is still open he was very weak with the ball at his feet in that game yesterday yeah I don't think it's impossible the way Chelsea are throwing money around once again that there is a consideration of another goalkeeper I think it's unlikely but I would say there's probably there's a 25% chance that we go in for another goalkeeper. So I would be wary of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even close to where Sanchez is um, personally. Um, I remember that chance. I think it was in the second half where he sort of kicked the ball out and Liverpool yeah. you know, took the chance. And thankfully, there, there was no goal. But uh, yeah, that was his problem at Brighton. Just really bad with the ball at his feet. And, yeah. you know, you're going, you guys are going to need to build up from the back. So uh, Sanchez just doesn't sit well with me right now. Maybe the Kepa rotation yeah. is there lurking in the background as well. So wait and watch in terms of Chelsea keeper, even though people are excited about having a 4.5 4. keeper. Yeah, Kepa looks like he's off to, to Real Madrid. So it might leave us with no other keeper. In okay. that case, then he'll become popular. But yeah. Cool. Interesting. Yep. Liverpool. Yeah, but before we go, guys, um, there's almost a thousand of you guys in the chat, which is crazy. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, feels like everyone's excited about FPL returning. Uh, please do hit the like button. It really, really yeah. helps us. Um, you know, we really need your support there. Uh, subscribe to the Scout channel, and then we also have thirty percent membership discount still going for the rest of the week. So. Um, Thank you guys for joining us today. With that being said, let's go to Liverpool. Yeah, Liverpool is interesting. It's, I mean, again, it's predicting the front four. We saw Salah come off early, which was very surprising. Threw a little bit of a, a tantrum and a strop as he was taken off, which the crowd very much enjoyed. Um, <laughs> Luis Diaz looked good, but the front four generally were, if we include Gakpo there, were all quite quiet, actually. Darwin looked the best when he came on off the bench, but the rest of them, it was pretty quiet, to be honest. I was very surprised about how little that front four got into the game after about the first half hour, which they were very good in the first half hour. And then we were good for the second, for that last 15 minutes of the first half. And then the second half, there was just a no real moments where they got a foothold in it, which I was... Surprise that, which I think led to the Salah subbing because he wasn't wasn't that involved. So the big question we all have, two, two questions, is A, if you have Mo Salah, do you captain him against Bournemouth? And B, if you don't have a Liverpool tacker, do you buy any of them against Bournemouth? So we start with the Salah question. Um, you know, I don't know how, how pretty are Salah owners sitting. Um, <laughs> it's tough, right? Because... Holland scored two goals with very, very low XG. So he basically overperformed. And we just know about, this is just what Holland does. Even against a very, very good Newcastle team, the potential is always there for him to even haul, right? So yeah, that's what you're up against. You're up against a 90% owned Holland at this point in time. And 90% owned Holland usually means, um, you know, if he does well, it's going to be tough for you to recover those points later. But Again, you committed to this uh, idea of having Solo for game week two. You saw the signs in game week one. He looked really good. Uh, he looked sharper than um, you know what we expected from the end of last season. And 
yeah, I think you I think you just have to stick to captaining Salah this game week, no doubt about it. How about yourself? Yeah. I think I probably would if I had him. Mm. I would hate to do it and I would sit behind a sofa for that Manchester City game, but yeah, I think I would I think I would do it. Yeah, we just we just can't predict this next game. Even though even though they played well in game week 1, it's not it's not enough of a sample size to say they're going to play well against Bournemouth. Um, yeah. The fixture says so. The fixture said so. But playing against Chelsea opens up the game a bit more, potentially against a Bournemouth that's going to sit sit back deep. How are they going to crack that nut is going to be the question. Yeah. Chelsea played super, super high. Uh, there's going to be chances for Mo Salah. He does best against uh, against the counter, right? Or on the counter. So, yeah. Good Ooh, luck to you I guys. suppose you're... Mm. You're, you said, you know, it's all about predicting the next game. On that, I I will not be buying a Liverpool attacker into my team, A, because I don't have the structure for it, but B, because I don't want to try and predict which of them's going to start in that game. I think Darwin should come in, but he was on the bench in the most recent pre-season friendly. He was benched again in game week one. What like, what does that mean? And they were all subbed off again after 70 minutes. Like, that is just going to happen mm. every game for those Liverpool forwards. So, I, if you've got them, of course you play them and you don't sell them. But I just, I'm not going in new on any Liverpool attacker that isn't Mo Salah. And I'm, I, of course, not doing that either. I agree. I agree. Darwin, um, classic high XG chances, um, you know, still lurking there. Jota played well. Diaz played really well so yeah where do you where do you even go you know it's like not even a sure spot so i wouldn't no. go there for now there yeah. is also the alternative question of if you have salah do you just play salah and not captain him and captain holland thoughts on that yeah so i think we were saying i probably would still captain him i just think newcastle looked really good very impressed with them at the weekend i don't think there'll be much in it I would probably be on Salah, but as the deadline got closer, it would be a difficult one. Mm. The early sub is a little bit of a concern. Could it happen again? Like, could we see Salah coming off after 70 if they're, you know, 3-0 up again with all the players that they've got? Potentially. I just, I just think with the fixture, you have to do it. If you've started with Salah and you've got to this point and you're not going to captain him, I just think starts having him in the first place was then the mistake. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Cool. You got to commit to it. Mm. Perfect. So we have not very long, but we will rattle through the final two. So Newcastle and then Aston Villa and then Brentford, but most importantly Spurs. Okay. Why don't you begin with Newcastle? Yeah, Newcastle are, are an interesting one. They were really good. And as we saw with them, as we saw at points last season, is they don't stop scoring goals. They don't go two or three goals up and think we're going to stop. They continue to put goals past people. And we saw that again. Um, we saw that again in this one. It's worth bearing in mind when we put the fixture ticker there, they are like right down at the bottom. If you look at them over just the next four games... I think they actually are at the bottom. They have the hardest run of fixtures of any team in the league. Manchester City away, Liverpool at home, Brighton away, Brentford at home. Then, as soon as that difficult fixture run ends and they get to an easier fixture run, the Champions League starts straight away after game week five. So that's what worries me with the likes of Isaac versus Wilson. They've signed enough wingers that I feel like they are going to play one up front now this season. They're going to play Isaac or they're going to play Wilson. And if that's the case, when that Champions League comes around, it's, I feel like it's going to be so hard to predict which of them's going to which of them's going to play. So I I think Isaac's the most transferred in player going into game week two. Manchester City away this week, Liverpool, Brighton away. I think they'll score goals, but I just I'm not going to be buying. I don't think. I think there's enough other good options for me up front for them and the same goes defensively right i don't see any clean sheets in those run of games for them either yeah it's a classic case of i hope this is right unstoppable force meets a immovable object type of situation yeah where yeah. 
it's a tough one to crack. I mean, Newcastle are so, so good. Top four team in the league. You know, they're going to be competing against Man City no matter what. Um, you can't just think of it as a easy game for Man City. It's going to be a difficult game for both teams. Maybe if you have Isaac, I know he's risen in price. Um, maybe you hop yeah. off him even. Like maybe you go to a Jackson or you go to, yeah, maybe a Jackson and kind of run away with the points you got in game week one. But I just don't think you would buy them right now with the fixtures coming up, right? No. As, as you mentioned, I mean, why go there? But again, unstoppable force meets an immovable object. It's it's such a good team. Yeah. Yeah, I just, yeah. I think they are great and their assets will be great. Harvey Barnes putting up big data in this one. But I just, I mean, particularly with Man City away this weekend, like, we're all bought Man City defenders for this season, expecting them to keep a lot of clean sheets early on. Newcastle at home is one of the games that we did think they could keep a clean sheet in. So I, yeah, I will not be buying for game week two and I probably will not be buying until about game week five or six. But even then I'm a bit worried about rotation. So it will likely only be the defenders that I look at when that comes around. There is the alternative thinking that maybe these, actually the tougher games open up for them uh, potentially and so potentially Isaac gets even more uh, opportunities or more not uh, not not more opportunities but better opportunities if they do are able to catch yeah. these teams on the counter so you know if you're, you're if you're sitting with Isaac there's a lot of things you can think about um, but you know good good job on getting those points initially I suppose the question is are there any forwards that you would own now that you would consider selling to buy Isaac? Is there any situation you would be in that would want you to get Isaac? I'm just getting a list of forwards up. Um, yeah. Uh, Harlan, no. Jao Pedro, no. Watkins, no. Ja Jackson, no. Darwin, of course, no. Alvarez, no. Yeah. Yeah. Wissa, no. Yeah, Wissa, the problem so, no. with Wissa is came off too early. Yeah. But I would probably hold him still if I had him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so oh. I guess I guess our consensus is one more week. Yeah. Hold him for one more week. Cool. Um, Villa, very, very briefly. Mm -hmm. They looked very good. And I, if you have Watkins or you have Diaby, I wouldn't worry too much about having them. Um, the fixtures coming up are better for them. They're, we knew that Newcastle on the opening day was their hardest fixture. If you take that out, they're actually fifth best in the fixture ticker. Everton, Burnley, Crystal Palace in three of their next four as well. Um, defensively, of course, Tyre Minks looks like he's going to be out for a while. It does boost the potential starting minutes of some of the other defenders. Um, but yeah, I suppose that's the only other thing to consider is that without Mings, the likes of Pau Torres, the likes of Konza, probably going to play a lot of minutes now. Um but I don't see many people's main transfers at the moment being used on a four point five defender. Let me uh let me let me give my two cents on Villa here. Um because shout out Roy Nish. Roy Nish says why Watkins know he was disappointing. I watched this game. I thought Watkins and Diaby were fantastic. Um maybe 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 I'm blind, but <laughs> or blinded by by um the five one score or whatever, uh how dominant Newcastle were, but I I thought they played really, really well. I thought Villa was fine until, you know, they started to get battered towards the end. But um, I thought Watkins and Diaby played perfectly fine. What I loved about Watkins is he really put in 100% effort right till the end, right? As an FPL pick, that was very, yeah. you know, potentially very good because they've, they're already losing 4-1-5-1. They've got like 30, 40 seconds left in the clock. And Watkins is asking for the ball. He wants the ball. He wants to keep attacking. You know, he's still moving around. So, um, yeah, I think as a long-term hold, Harry, I'm very excited yeah. to own Watkins. I think he's going... And he's, like, presenting himself as somewhat of a differential. Yeah, I agree. Cool. Yeah. And Diaby, certainly game? on our watch list. I agree. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He looked very good. Very, very good. But... He does fall second in my, or not second, probably third in my list of 6.5 million mids behind, of course, our man, Brian Embuemo, who got his penalty. He got his seven points, I think. Um, 
yeah, nice start to the season for him. We'll talk mainly about Spurs, but Buemo looks like a great pick. He's on a lot of set pieces. We confirmed that he's on penalties as well. And they played a back five, which was great for his positioning because he was very central. They won't do that every week, but I still think he'll be very involved in what they do. So big fan of him. If you need a cheap midfielder to buy into your teams, he's still first top of the list for me. Yeah. If there is ever a opportunity where we can double up on Aston Villa, um, Diaby Watkins is the one. I mean, they they work so well off. I mean, we were talking about this last week, how Diaby just runs off Watkins and they're both so energetic as well. So yeah, Diaby certainly on my watch list as well. Yeah, cool. So Spurs. Let's do it. Do you have... Yeah, what are the what are the key uh, questions um, for Spurs? So I suppose the key questions are: Is Richarlison going to continue playing up front, or yeah. do we just go Madison? Because yeah. I still am sure that Son is too expensive at nine million when Madison is seven point five, and at the moment Richarlison is playing up front at seven. Yeah, yeah. So here's my read. I think uh, I think Madison is a standout pick. I think Richarlison, we need more time. I wouldn't get blinded by the 7.0 price tag. Um, Ainge needs to have a backup plan, plan B, plan C type of thing, because all of the previous episodes, we've talked about how Udogi and Royale come in inside. They're all centrally, you know, they're all central. Uh, and then they pass the ball out wide to Sun or Kulu, where the attack begins. But Brentford came with the perfect counter plan, which was a 5-3-2. But essentially, Harry, it was like a 5-5. And what I mean by this is they have five at the back in a line. And then the three yeah. and two, Wisa and, and Buemo, are like a box in the middle. So I, I just picture a 5-5 type of situation in terms of their formation. So even if there's Sun and Kulu out wide, there's always a man on them. So they basically, they the perfect counter came against Spurs, which is why you saw a difficult time of them trying to form anything. The thing about Madison is his XG was quite low. It was his XA making up for his XGI. So that's one thing to watch. But that's very reassuring in the sense that even at a blocked out game, he had all set pieces. He was on corners. I mean, the only real creator in the team, we talk about how we want him to become the Ericsson of, of Spurs. Yeah. Charleston, I mean, he just couldn't post a play. He's just not not Harry Kane, right? He's not even 50% of Harry Kane um, at this moment in time. And uh, when you're unable to do Ainge's, like, number one tactics, then you need to feed the ball to Richarlison, who can post up and have runners around him. But he just wasn't mm -hmm. good at holding up the ball either. Um, so my, my hopes with him are low. I think that there's a potential that Perisic comes left and Son potentially plays up top as well. But, uh, you know, yeah. as even though he's my favorite player, I must say that he's not a good pick right now. Perfect. I, I think I, I think I agree. Madison is the one that I really want, and I definitely wouldn't be buying Richarlison, particularly before the end of the transfer window, because with a, a large sum of money coming in for Harry Kane, it may be that they used decide to spend some of it yeah. already yeah. on a replacement. So... Madison, definitely the one, 7.5. I think he may well be 7.6 come the next deadline by the looks of it. Yes. Yeah. So already on his way up. Yeah. What excites me about Tottenham and Chelsea assets is their fixtures are about to turn, but they're also yeah. very attacking. So I want a piece of that attacking pie um, when I get the chance, yeah. uh, which is why it's great. We have Udogi and Chilwell in place. Uh, and yeah. then I look forward to potentially getting... Madison and Jackson next game week is what I'm looking at. Cool. Okay, That's all the games. Go. That's all the games. Yep. One left to play tonight, of course. Um, so those with Marcus Rashford, Fernandez, anyone punted on Mason Mount or defensively, I'm hoping for a nice clean sheet wipeout at some point in that game, <laughs> but um, won't be too disheartened as long as there's some goals involved for the Manchester United duo. Yeah. Should we do our team and then um a few questions yeah i agree um before we go to the teams once again i i must plug um scout is doing 30 percent membership uh sales still so please do sign up if you aren't a part of the scout yet um please do hit the like button guys it really helps us uh as well as subscribe to the youtube channel so thank you again for we joining just hit us today 
we just hit a thousand live viewers as well. So thank you all very much for spending your Monday lunchtime watching us as well. That's amazing. That That is the FPL Harry effect, I believe. So, Right. Team for next week? Let's do it. Um, we're just going to present one team because... <laughs> How do, we, how do we tell uh, uh, you guys? Like honestly, honestly, we I didn't talk to Harry all of last week since we potted. Actually, didn't. And we had different teams, you know, during during our pod. I also did a sort of team reveal where I got absolutely hammered um, by the comments, and then we end up having such a similar team that we don't even need to show both teams. We'll just do one team. I'm sure it'll change uh, down the line, or we should at least try to make it change, make it different. Yeah, uh, Harry. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So I've got Saliba and you have Gabrielle. That's the only uh, difference that we've got. Um, it's a three-five-two again. It's the same starting lineup as last week. And I'm starting. I'm starting Turner over Pickford, and I'm captaining Erling Haaland. Vice captain will probably be on Bakai Saka, um, but I'm pretty happy with it. The bench, Kabore has no fixture. Um, Archer currently not in the Aston Villa squad because he's pushing for a move, and then Udogi. So my bench is weak. So hopefully everyone plays. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty happy to roll the transfer this week. Yeah, and the only difference for me again is Gabriel. Um, so I'll keep him, roll the transfer, um, more information over the weekend, and then make those fun two transfer, potentially three transfer move next game week. So looking forward to that. Kabore, I, I do want to say, as we mentioned, you will never play him, but he looked really good in that right wing back role. <laughs> so I am going <laughs> to. I, I am actually going to play him. Are you in, really? In game, in game week uh, six, okay. he has Wolves at home and all my other defenders have really difficult fixtures that week. So he will get on my on the team once uh, in the first 10 game weeks. <laughs> yeah, good luck to you there, my friend. <laughs> okay, let's cool. do some questions. Yeah. Start with the super chats. Yes. Have you got those? Oh. I believe there was two, but I can't see the top one. The top one just says, I hate that my that these my favorite FPL content creator is a Chelsea fan. Ah oh, well. Gonna have to put up with me. <laughs> I can't see the top one. Yeah, either. there was one more be before that uh we should address. If you've got um YouTube I... studio open, you should be able to like I'll go and do some others if you try and find it. If not, start Steel or Turner. Um, I'm quite big on Turner. I think Aston. I think um, Nottingham Forest were pretty good game week one. I was impressed with them. I thought Turner played pretty well, so I would probably start him over Steel. Um, play James or Saliba. James was pretty impressive. I'd probably still favor him. I think Palace were good. I think Palace will create chances at home to Arsenal. So um, I'll probably go with him. Yeah. Though a lot of a lot of the popular goalkeepers are being asked, would you play Turner over them in game week two? So Onana, Johnston, Pickford, I would just play. I would play Turner and I'd probably play him over Steele as well. Yeah. Okay, I got the questions. Um Cool. Thoughts on Cash plus Martinelli, Cash plus Martinelli to Diaby plus Chilwell for minus four. Cash plus Martinelli. I don't think you need to do that this week. Mm -hmm. um, I think you can hold off and do it for two free transfers going into game week three. Mm -hmm. My only thing is if you have exact money in the bank, would I do it now? Selling. <sighs> yeah, it is. It is based on price drop. That's why he's considering it. Mm. I don't think I'd want to take a minus four to do those transfers first week into the season. I would find another way to free up the money to get you on next week, but I don't think I'd do it for a minus four. Yeah, because worst case scenario, you'll have a minus four next week, which could be three transfers, and that could yeah. be more fun to mess around with or more more beneficial to mess around with. Yeah. Best KDB replacement except Saka, Salah, Bruno, Rash. Madison. I think Madison. I think I just go straight there. If I have De Bruyne now and I need something to do with him, I just go straight to Madison. If you have those others, yeah. If you have Saka, Rashford, Salah, I just go to Madison. 
um, on on Harry's answer, there's two ways to think of moves like this is uh, what player do I want the most? And another way I think is how can I be ahead of the template? And I feel I foresee Madison becoming a very popular transfer shortly. Yeah. Would you keep uh, or sell over Charleston or get Madison before it goes up? Definitely keep, right? Yeah, I, you've got to keep for just a little bit while more because Madison was great, but he didn't have the goal threat. And a lot of the assist threat was passing to Richarlison. So I still think I'd keep him. Yeah, agree. One more? One more, yep. Um. So... Uh, let's have a look. Um, Wiesa, Jackson, or Diaby, if you had to bench one of these three, Wiesa away at Fulham, Jackson away at West Ham, and Diaby at home to Everton. I think I'd go Wiesa, just because the minutes for him, and Fulham looks pretty good game week one. I was surprised. They look quite good. So I'd probably, I'd definitely play Diaby at home to Everton. I agree. He's straight in there. I, I, I thought you would say Jackson, surprisingly, but no, yeah, Diaby's I, top. I think. Oh, Diaby looks so good. Don't sleep on this Aston Villa team. It, that that yeah. that scoreline doesn't reflect how how potentially great this team's going to be. Yeah. Cool. So I'd bench uh, Weiser. I think. Yep. Same. Perfect. Good. Good. Good, guys. Um, thank you so much for joining us again. Please do hit the like button. Uh, please do subscribe to the Scout YouTube channel. Scoutcast will be tonight. Uh, and then um, some more videos throughout the week. So exciting, exciting uh, stuff. I think all of us are off to a decent start. I wouldn't worry about the Saliba, Gabriel, four points or 10 points, 15 points difference from the leaders. It's, it is what it is. It's a marathon again. So I look forward to what more information we will have this coming game week and uh, next week should be fun. Uh, a lot of us will be going in different directions. So, yeah. Any last words for you, Harry? No. Good luck, those with players tonight. Um, and we'll see you after game week two. See you guys. Thank you.